Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 349th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, it's been a while. It has. It's good to be back. It is. I don't think we've ever taken a two-week hiatus from the podcast, but the way our vacation fell and timing and all that, we just didn't have time to research and record. So it's been two weeks since we put an episode up. We're back. (laughs) (laughs) And we have haunted Saratoga Springs for you guys. And a little bit of synchronicity. Kelly, I just randomly picked things for bonus casts and the Arlington Hotel came across my radar and I was like, well, there's not a ton of information about it. Would be a better bonus cast than a full episode. And it just happens to be in Hot Springs. So the bonus cast this week was also about a place in the Springs. Synchronicity. And speaking of bonus casts, our executive producers didn't miss a beat while we were on vacation, though. They still got their bonus casts each week. They did. And for $2 a month, you can get one extra episode every month, too. If you're at the $5 and above level, you could get four or five extra ones a month, meaning you get two episodes a week. And it's a huge back catalog. Yeah. I mean, there's almost 200 over there. So you can sign up at Patreon or PayPal. Either one works for us. And of course, you guys know that the executive producers are really who bring the show to you. So we're Absolutely. ever grateful to them. <laughs> Absolutely. We also love our spooktacular crew and we have some people to welcome in there. Lindsay, who ends her name with an E-Y. Julianne without an E. Melly with an I. Lori Peanut. Denise. Susan. Sarah with an H. Georgette. Nancy. Deanna. Janny with an I-E. We're welcoming back Mindy. Welcome back, girl. Colin. Pamela, Billy, Craig, Andrew, Jonathan, John, and Nicole, who has an H stuck in the middle of her name. Thanks for joining us in the crew, guys. And now, this moment, Noddity. The tomb of Queen Hedefaris was once lost. Its discovery started in 1925 with a photographer's tripod. He was setting up a shot near the Great Pyramid of Khufu in Giza, Egypt, when the leg of his tripod slipped into a crevice. This crevice led into a hidden shaft that led into a hidden staircase that emptied into a limestone-filled vertical shaft. The limestone had been used to seal the grave from grave robbers. It would take 10 years of archaeologists to excavate the tomb, and what they found was amazing. The tomb was filled with the finest examples of ancient Egyptian jewelry and furniture. 
There was gilded wooden furniture and silver bracelets full of jewels, and precious stones like lapis lazuli and turquoise. Queen Hedefaris was the mother of Pharaoh Khufu. The strangest part of the discovery was that the queen's body was not in the tomb. Archaeologists have no explanation as to the mystery of the missing body, and that certainly is odd. And now we have this promo from one of our favorite podcasts. Hello, I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And we're the co-hosts of the podcast Guide to the Unknown, where we talk about spooky things and the paranormal with a particular emphasis on pop culture. Our favorite episodes include doing a roundup of all the Disney haunted mansions and all the parks they've got around the world. The time that we went to a seance in a paranormal bookstore and also covering the real life story behind the movie The Conjuring. That's right. Our new episodes come out every Friday on all major podcast apps, including Spotify. And the episodes are actually recorded live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube.com slash TalkBomb. So you can watch us record what's going to be coming out, which is pretty neat. If you miss it, the video version of the show is released every Friday alongside the podcast. So, hey, go to GTTUPod.com for links to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else. And make sure you follow at GTTU Pod everywhere on social media. We'll see you there. And now, this month in history. In the month of August, on the 21st in 1911, the Mona Lisa was stolen. The Mona Lisa was painted by Leonardo da Vinci around 1517 and is considered to be the most well-known work of art in the world. The work was acquired by King Francis I of France and eventually became the property of the French Republic. In 1797, it was put on permanent display at the Louvre in Paris. It was from the Louvre that the Mona Lisa was stolen in 1911. The heist was pulled off by an Italian handyman named Vincenzo Perugia, who worked at the Louvre making the protective glass cases for the artwork. The Mona Lisa was one of the pieces. Perugia hid the painting under his clothes and left the building after a plumber unlocked the door for him. It took 24 hours before the painting was reported missing and another two years before it was recovered. Perugia was arrested, tried, and sentenced to seven months in jail. Through the years, we've covered many locations with the word springs in their name. These sites all seem to have one thing in common. They have been places considered special because they were sacred or spiritual or healing. The Native Americans held them in reverence. Saratoga Springs in New York is another one of these places. Many have claimed that areas like this are portals that attract spirits. And it does seem that there are many haunted locations here. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of Saratoga Springs. Saratoga Springs has a deep and rich history, starting with the Native Americans who used the mineral springs here for healing and ritual. 
These were the Mohawk, Mohican, and Haudenosaunee. High Rock Spring was the most famous spring here, and the Native Americans called it the Medicine Spring of the Great Spirit. The Native Americans called the area Saratoga, which means Place of Swift Water. So now you see how they got the name Saratoga. Sir William Johnson was the first European to test the healing reputation of this spring. He had suffered a battle wound at the Battle of Lake George in 1755. The wound left him unable to walk, but after visiting High Rock in 1771, he was said to be able to walk back to Johnstown. The spring's reputation spread, and even George Washington visited the spring in 1783. Wow. The Dutch and British were the first Europeans in the area, and the British built Fort Saratoga here in 1691. There was much conflict in the area between the Dutch, British, and Native tribes. The first European to settle what would become Saratoga Springs was Alexander Bryan in 1787, and eventually many people followed. They gave the town the special name of Town of the Springs near Saratoga. So creative, don't you think? <laughs> Very. <laughs> what should we name it? Well, I don't know. We're a town, and we have springs, springs here, sure. and we're near Saratoga. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> town of the Springs near Saratoga. Wow, you're brilliant. <laughs> brilliant, I say. <laughs> The town would be officially established as Saratoga Springs in 1819, with the village incorporating in 1826. The Saratoga and Schenectady Railroad brought in many tourists to the springs. Many hotels were built at this time, too. One of these was the Grand Union Hotel, which was the largest hotel in the world at one time. This started out as Putnam's Tavern and Boarding House, built by Gideon Putnam in 1802. This hotel was demolished in 1953, unfortunately. But there is another hotel named for Gideon Putnam, and this one is apparently haunted. Gideon Putnam was born in Massachusetts in 1763, and he was considered the founder of the hotel business in Saratoga Springs. The name Putnam is big in Saratoga Springs. You'll hear it all over the place. He married Dewanda Risley Putnam, and they moved to Saratoga Springs in 1789. Putnam was not impressed with the area and referred to it as a forest with a few log houses and a mineral spring. He and his wife chose the upper village to settle, and they would have nine children. Putnam started his first business, and he became a lumber baron. He started a sawmill and made barrel staves and shingles. Do you know what a barrel stave is? I don't. You know the wood that's on the outside of casks? It's the, the bowed wood that they oh, put all yes. together to make a barrel? Yeah. Those are called staves. Oh, okay. I didn't know that either. The more you know. <laughs> These were sold in New York City after being floated down the Hudson River. Putnam became a rich man and he bought a tract of land surrounding Congress Spring. In 1802, he built the 70-room Putnam Tavern and Boarding House, which the local folk called... Putnam's Folly. We heard this about the Orleans Waterfront Inn, too. I don't know why. There's got to be a story behind it. This was anything but folly, though. The boarding house flourished, and in 1810, Putnam added on to the boarding house and renamed the place Union Hall. The hotel grew to the size of a whole city block and was renamed the Grand Union Hotel and was operated by the Putnam family until 1864. As we said before, this was demolished in 1953 to make way for a grocery store and parking lot. Don't you love it when they do that? Make way for a parking lot, knock down Put that a big parking hotel. Lot. <laughs> Putnam died at a young age. He was only 49 when he died from injuries he sustained when another hotel he was building called Congress Hall had a section of scaffolding collapse on him. He was the first person buried in the cemetery that he founded, Gideon Putnam Burial Ground. 
The city continued to flourish with the vision that Putnam had put forward, and eventually in 1935, another hotel was built dedicated to the man by using his name, the Gideon Putnam Hotel. This hotel did not have the size of the Grand Union with only 87 rooms compared to the Grand Union's 600 rooms. The hotel was designed in the colonial revival Neo-Georgian style by prominent architect Marcus T. Reynolds. This was a convenient and modest hotel that was not overly ornate. And by modest, we aren't just talking about the accoutrements. Sleeveless dresses were prohibited in the dining room. Well-known interior decorator Dorothy Tuckerman Draper designed the interior decor with bright colors and internationally acclaimed artist James Reynolds painted the murals in the dining room. These murals featured Saratoga scenes. In that first decade, the Gideon Putnam Hotel was always booked solid, and many people would stay for the recommended three weeks to properly enjoy the spa and springs. Many celebrities came to stay as well, like Fred Astaire, Cary Grant, and Bob Hope. And then things changed as automobile made long stays at resorts less popular, and modern medicine took care of ailments that used to bring people to the springs to drink the water to cure. The hotel would be redecorated in 1953 and later bring in a new clientele with the Saratoga Performing Arts Center being built in 1966. This brought in other famous people like the Grateful Dead and opera star Beverly Sills. In 1969, a $750,000 remodel added a cocktail lounge and more guest rooms, and in 1979, a 9,000-square-foot convention center was added. Fun fact, that convention center was named for Sir William Johnson. Today, the hotel offers 123 guest rooms and is listed on the National Trust for Historic Preservation's Guide to Historic Hotels of America. Many refer to this as the Jewel of Saratoga. It also is reputably haunted by several spirits. Both staff and guests have experiences to share. They claim to have experienced cold spots and breezes and unexplained noises. One employee went up to the attic to fix light fixtures that would not turn on up on the roof. He found that the lights somehow had turned themselves on by themselves. He was shocked when he then saw the face of an old woman staring back at him from a window in the attic. And now, Kelly, will you tell us about the Witch of Saratoga? Gladly. Angeline Tubbs was known as the Witch of Saratoga. She reputedly died on August 16, 1865, at the age of 104. She had lived in a shack just north of Saratoga Springs, and the story of how she came to be here was a sad one. She had been a beautiful young woman engaged to a British soldier when the Revolutionary War had started. He brought her across the ocean with him and then abandoned her after his company was defeated at the Battle of Saratoga. She made her way to the mountains to find a place to live and built a shack there where she was surrounded by cats. The first cat lady? Possibly. Tubbs made a living telling fortunes and trapping. People claimed to see her outside the mountainside, waving her arms around with her hair flying all about whenever there was a violent thunderstorm, and they said it seemed as though she were conversing with spirits. Red lightning was said to flash all about her, and that is how she became known as the Witch of Saratoga. She eventually ended up in a local poorhouse where she died. A doctor who knew her at that time said that she was probably 10 years younger than the 104 that was claimed about her. She still lived to be an old woman, and there are stories that for years after her death, the image or spirit of a wild-haired woman dancing on the mountain during bad storms was seen. Yaddo Gardens makes the perfect setting for a horror movie. The mansion is set back among large pine trees and resembles a gothic mansion of old built from stone. The gardens surrounding the property are dotted with statuary, much of it adding to the creepy vibe. The wrought iron gate leading onto the property at 312 Union Avenue features the word Yaddo, fashioning the iron in a quirky form of cursive. That is the first indication that one is about to enter a very unique property. 
Before the mansion and gardens were at this location, there were Native Americans here, and they believed the land to be special. The first European to own the property was Jacobus Barheit, who was a Revolutionary War veteran. He built a farmhouse, gristmill, and tavern on the property. And Kelly, a fun legend about that tavern is that Edgar Allan Poe supposedly wrote part of The Raven at Barheit's Tavern. Oh, very cool. I thought that was cool. The mansion here was built in 1893 by the Trask family. Spencer and Katrina Trask had bought the property in 1881 because Katrina felt a spiritual connection to it. The couple let their daughter Christina name it, and she came up with Yaddo. She wanted something that rhymed with shadow. Sadly, Christina would not live to adulthood. And even more depressing is that she was not the only Trask child to die young. The Trasks had already lost their eldest son, Allenson, when they bought the property. A few years after the mansion was built, Christina died along with her brother Spencer. They had caught diphtheria from their mother. The doctors had thought that Katrina was going to die, so they brought the children to say goodbye, and that's when it is thought they caught the disease. It was all very tragic. The youngest Trask child was named after her mother, Katrina, and she died shortly after her birth. The poor Trask could not catch a break when it came to their children. Katrina would take the pain of her loss and write. A Tiffany stained glass window in the mansion features an epiphany that she had in the garden. She was a theosophist and believed in an immense creative spirit, and part of that spirit was here at Yaddo. The Trask had followed that spirit in the design of the gardens. They had consulted landscape architects, but the design was entirely their own. These gardens are situated on lower and upper terraces that are divided by a pergola. The lower part is formal with a rose garden and reflects Italian and French Renaissance influences. The upper part is a woodland rock garden, which was a style that came into fashion in the late 19th century. Both gardens have fountains and statuary. There are four statues inspired by the four seasons. You've probably seen pictures of them if you've ever looked up this location. Another statuary features a sundial that bears the inscription, Hours fly, flowers die. New days, new ways, pass by, love stays. In 1893, the original mansion burned down, but the Trask rebuilt, and that is the mansion that is there today. The mansion at Yaddo has been an artist community since 1926, and most artists who have made this their home base at some point describe the location as paradise. Changing this into an artist retreat was Spencer's idea as a gift to his wife. It offers residencies to artists working in choreography, film, literature, musical composition, painting, performance art, photography, printmaking, sculpture, and video. Collectively, artists who have worked at Yaddo have won 66 Pulitzer Prizes, 27 MacArthur Fellowships, 61 National Book Awards, 24 National Book Critics Circle Awards, 108 Rome Prizes, 49 Whiting Writers Awards, a Nobel Prize, and at least one Man Booker Prize. That's a heck of a lot. It is. That's a lot of awards. (laughs) I can't believe you got it all out. Took me a couple tries. (laughs) Since this is an active retreat, the public is not granted access to the mansion. For a time in the 1980s, the gardens fell into disrepair. In 1991, Saratoga Springs resident and Yaddo board member Jane Waite founded the Yaddo Garden Association. Under her leadership, the all-volunteer association brought the gardens back to life and raised funds to restore statuary and ornaments. The gardens have been vandalized in more recent years, too, unfortunately. There are many who believe the property is haunted. Katrina Trask was buried on the grounds, and visitors have said that they felt her presence around the property. Tour guide Leslie LeDuc has worked here for over 20 years, and she said that many artists who completed the residency program have claimed to have seen or felt Katrina. One memorable story involved the artists getting together and forming an impromptu band they called the Trask Children. As they played and sang, the windows started slamming, 
and they believed that Katrina was unhappy with them. The Duke said it was like Katrina was shaking her finger and saying, no, no, no. People who volunteer in the gardens claim to have felt her presence through unexplained sounds or sudden cool breezes. Some artists believe that Katrina has inspired their work by guiding them through dreams. There are other spirits here, too. There were Native Americans who were on the land previously, and they've been known to make an appearance. And Jacobus Barheit is said to haunt his former property, too. One other ghost that is said to haunt the grounds is Elena Pardee, who worked for and was very close to Katrina. According to Leduc, she's usually in the gardens where she was happiest. Dowsers have investigated the property and been drawn to the four statues, you know, the ones that were the Four Seasons. So if we're ever up there, you'll have to douse around and see what you find, Kelly. Heck yeah. And these, uh, as I said, represent the Four Seasons, and they play a key role in the ghost tours that they do there. Next, we have the Old Brian Inn. In 1773, Dirk Schoten built a simple log cabin on the bluff overlooking High Rock Spring, and this spot would eventually become home for the Old Brian Inn, which was built in 1832. Today, this is a very popular restaurant in Saratoga Springs. Schoten left his cabin shortly after building it because of conflicts he had with the Native Americans. John Arnold moved his family into the cabin the following year and expanded it so that they could operate it as an inn. A man named Sam Norton purchased the inn in 1777, but his efforts in the business were short-lived because the Revolutionary War started and the British pushed him out as they took control of Saratoga Springs. Sam would never return, but his son did after the war and he ran the inn for a decade. The inn was then sold to Gilbert Morgan in 1787 and he turned around and sold it to Alexander Bryan, who was a hero of the Revolutionary War. He had served as a spy on the British. He worked his way into a British camp and found out the plans of the British. Brian then made a run for it, but was pursued and chased on horseback for three days. He then had to leave his horse and make his way down a river, and Kelly did it with only his mouth above the water. Wow. So I guess it was like he must have been laying on his back and just kind of floating. I guess so. With his nose just kind of... Hopefully they think it's a strange rock. (laughs) He succeeded, and the information he had helped the outnumbered Americans to win the Battle of Saratoga. This man was never given the credit for what he did at the time, but many believe that he was the reason the Americans ultimately won the war, because this was a huge turning point. Wow. So nobody knows that this guy did this, really, and he's credited with maybe he was the reason why we got this big turning point. You'd think everybody would have known him, but no. Sure. That's kind of sad. It is that it took this long for people to figure that out. Brian expanded the property where the inn sat even more, adding a log house across the street that served as an inn and tavern, and he also added a blacksmith shop. These two inns were the only hotels in Saratoga Springs until Gideon Putnam built the Grand Union Hotel. Brian's son John inherited the property, and he built a stone house where the tavern had been in 1825. This structure remained in the family until the 1900s. The Brian home was sold to the LaMountain family in 1925, and they added a brick addition, and Burnham's Hand Laundry was opened up there. I'm not exactly sure who Burnham was, but that's what the (laughs) research said. So I don't know if it was some other guy who rented out the property and opened up a laundry place or what. Sure, possibly. In 1954, this became a family home for the Veet family, and they remained until 1979. Dave Powers and Joe Wilkinson purchased it at that time with the goal of restoring the old Brian Inn. When Steve Sullivan joined them in 1981, that vision came to fruition. Little did the men know, but this location was haunted. Many locals think of it as the most haunted place in Saratoga Springs. There are a number of spirits here. The first is a man who had been seen in colonial-era clothing. Another is the lady in green. It is believed that she is a Civil War widow named Beatrice, but there is no story about how she died. 
I do wonder, because she was wearing a green dress, and I know during the Victorian era, the way that they would color those dresses, the green dye had arsenic in it. So ah, that's right. It makes me wonder if that might be the cause of her demise. I don't know. Very well could be. She is usually seen in the upstairs women's room, which is believed to be her former bedroom. She is referred to as a lady in green because she's wearing a high neck Victorian green dress. To add believability to the story, a green Victorian dress was found in a trunk in the attic. Do, do, do. I love it when that happens. <laughs> the official website of the restaurant shares some ghost stories. The first is, the chandelier hanging now is not the one we used to have. It used to be an old giant one. The power was out one afternoon, but we all came in for the night just in case, because if it came on, we'd be open for business. We were all sitting in the main dining room chatting, and we started joking and making fun of the portraits on the wall and the idea of a ghost, when one of the servers suddenly gasped and pointed. The chandelier was swinging in circles. I did a head count, and we were all there. The owner stood on a chair and stopped the chandelier. As soon as he let go, it started swinging again. Whoa. <laughs> so I'm assuming it wasn't the air conditioning blowing that, and I've never seen a big heavy-duty chandelier getting blown around by you know, air conditioning or something anyway. So right. maybe they shouldn't have been making fun of the ghosts and people's portraits on the wall. Another employee said, One night I was coming from the third floor with a box of things from storage. As I took a step down, something snagged my pants like hard. I took a couple more steps down and turned to look and see if there was a crooked nail or something. But there was absolutely nothing there. Another night I was about to leave for the evening and nobody was in the restaurant but me and the manager who was in the office on the second floor. When I turned my reports and cash into him and went back down to leave, my car keys were in a glass of water. A patron saw the lady in green and described it this way. It was 2001 and my first time coming to OBI. I just moved to the area and didn't know any of the history. I was having dinner in the main dining area in the front. I looked up and there was a woman in a green old-fashioned dress standing on the catwalk looking over the railing. I asked the waiter if there was a reenactment event taking place that evening and he said no. It was puzzling, but we left it at that. At the end of our meal, I went upstairs to the restroom and heard someone else come in. I could see a green dress under the door of my stall. When I exited, there wasn't anyone in the restroom. I never heard anyone open the door to leave. I had chills all over. I bet. And there again, a haunted restroom. <laughs> I know. And it's uh, the ladies' restroom <laughs> right. always. Next, we have the Bachelor's Mansion Inn. The Bachelor Mansion Inn is one of the most outstanding pieces of architecture in not only Saratoga Springs, but the state of New York. This was the former home of George Sherman Bachelor, who had it built in 1873 by New York architectural firm Nichols and Halcock. The architecture featured several styles, French Renaissance Revival, Italianate, and Egyptian. The Victorian style features a mansard roof and a tower topped by a minaret. Bachelor was born in 1837, and he attended Harvard Law School. He came from a line of well-known historical figures, including Daniel Webster and Roger Sherman, a signer of the Declaration of Independence. He would be the youngest person elected to the New York State Assembly. He was only 21 at the time. Bachelor married Catherine Cook in 1861, and they would have three children. Only one of them would survive infancy. The couple had their magnificent home built for $100,000, and they named it Kaiser el Nurza, which means Palace of Pleasure in Arabic, and I know I pronounced that wrong. There were three floors, and the home had so many unique features that the design was copyrighted. I've never heard of that about a house before. I haven't either. 
There were two steam vapor furnaces, 11 bedrooms, five bathrooms, a large basement kitchen that would feed food into the butler's pantry via dumbwaiters, and there was a music room. The Bachelor family didn't get to enjoy their mansion for long because President Ulysses S. Grant asked George to be the judge and American representative in the court of first instance in Cairo. The Bachelors spent the next 10 years in Egypt, returning in 1885, and George then served in the New York State Legislature until 1888. The Bachelors loved to host big social events, and they did so often. The family had to leave their home again when George was appointed minister to Portugal in 1891. He served in Europe until 1902 when President Theodore Roosevelt appointed him to the Supreme Court of Appeals in Alexandria, Egypt. Catherine would pass away in Egypt in 1903, and a grand funeral was held for her, and she was buried temporarily in Egypt. He would bring her back to Saratoga Springs and have her buried in their Egyptian-style pink granite mausoleum in Greenridge Cemetery. He would join her five years later in 1908. Kate Batchelor decided to sell the family home in 1916 to D. Walter Mabby, He moved out in 1937, and it sat vacant for three years. Edward and Pauline Muscovoy bought the house in 1940, and they ran it as a boarding house. This started the destruction of the interior, and this continued when Meyer Goldwyn bought the property in 1952 and remodeled it into a 28-unit retirement home for Orthodox Jews named Goldman's Park View. His daughter inherited it when he died in 1965, and she left it basically abandoned. And as happens with most abandoned properties, this one was vandalized. The damage was so extensive that the city of Saratoga Springs Department of Public Works condemned the house in 1973. A local attorney named Eugene Turchi and his partner Ray Marshall convinced Goldman's daughter to sell them the wrecked house for $40,000. Can you imagine this grand mansion and they got it for $40,000, but it was just a wreck, so... Yeah. After removing nearly 100 dump truck loads of trash and debris, the men poured $250,000 into the restoration. Part of that work included the addition of three 23-foot windows in the kitchen. In 1983, Turchi sold the house to Bruce J. Levinsky for $500,000. Definitely got his money back. He continued restoration work and used the house as his home until 1994, when he opened it as an inn and named it for the family who originally built it. The house is considered the crown jewel of Saratoga Springs. When the mansion started being rehabbed into the bed and breakfast, a strange thing started to happen. Objects started showing up out of thin air. There would be a piece of molding that no one had seen before just laying in a room. Then there was a mantelpiece that appeared out of nowhere. This was followed by a mirror. To this day, no one knows where any of these items came from. The Albany Paranormal Research Society was part of the Tapps family, and they investigated here twice. They caught an EVP they believed belonged to George Batchelor, with him saying, Come find me. Guests claim to have seen weird orbs and feeling as though something unseen is watching them or near them. And then we have our final haunted location here in Saratoga Springs, the Canfield Casino. Saratoga Springs definitely has a darker side to its history. During Prohibition, gangsters were running booze and gambling in the back rooms of lake houses, while famous performers like Bing Crosby entertained in the front rooms. Houses of ill repute were open secrets, and New York madams traveled north to the springs in summer and paid local officials to look the other way. The Canfield Casino is one location that played host to much of this seamy side. This was originally called the Saratoga Clubhouse and opened in 1870. This was founded by professional boxer John Morrissey, who had learned all about politics, gambling, high society, and fighting from Boss Tweed's Tammany Hall in New York. He started with a small gaming house when he first arrived in Saratoga Springs in 1861. Morrissey began building the clubhouse in 1867. The gambling hall had three rules when it opened. 
no ladies allowed, cash only, and no locals. The main part of the casino was a three-story building topped by a flat roof bordered by an ornate bracketed cornice. The windows had sandstone trim. The east wing is where most of the gambling took place, and the north wing had the dining room and kitchen, which featured parquet floors, and the ceiling had beautiful stained glass hexagonal windows. There were also stained glass windows featuring horses along the walls. An office and library were in the west wing. There were private gambling rooms upstairs and rooms for living quarters on the third floor. The gambling room was elegant with statuettes and mirrors, and much of this remains today. Morrissey did not operate the clubhouse for long. He came to an untimely end at 47 in 1878. Ownership went to two men, Charles Reed and Albert Spencer, and they joined forces with Richard Canfield in 1883. Eventually, Canfield bought them out of the clubhouse, and he remodeled the gambling hall, pouring $800,000 into the building and the grounds of Congress Park that surrounded the establishment. And as you can see, it's now named for him, too. He added an early form of air conditioning to the building and marble statues to the grounds. Canfield eventually was known as the King of the Gamblers, and Saratoga Springs was known as the American Monte Carlo. I would have never known that. This would all come to an end in 1907 when gambling became an illegal practice, and he eventually sold the building to the village in 1911. There had also been the Congress Park Hotel here and a bottling plant, and both of those were demolished. Today, the Canfield Casino sits in the center of Congress Park on 17 acres and serves as a Saratoga Spring History Museum and was named a National Historic Landmark in 1987. Ghost tours are hosted here, and this location has not only been investigated by ghost hunters in Season 6, Episode 18 in 2010, but it has also been featured on most terrifying places on the Travel Channel. There are many ghost tales told about the former gambling hall. A visitor in the 1990s claimed to see a woman dressed in a Victorian-era gown walking through the corridors, and then she climbed the stairs to the third floor. A man in Victorian clothing knocked on the office door in 2007, and a museum volunteer turned to face him. The man asked the volunteer a question and then disappeared. There is furniture here from the Walworth Mansion that seems to have spirits of that prominent family attached to it. Night crews have had doors slammed on them mysteriously. In 2009, a visitor had a glass slapped out of her hand by something she could not see. The smell of cigar smoke wafts through the air when no one is smoking. Objects move about on their own, and once an employee saw a garbage can lid go flying into the air, and then it crashed to the ground on its own. Somebody didn't want to have to take out the garbage. Clearly. Some of the energy in the building has even felt hostile, which might be why this was on the most terrifying places on the Travel Channel, because a lot of this, I'm like, how is that terrifying? The costume exhibit had a candelabra that made a noise that several people heard from another room. When they investigated, they found no one. Linda Zimmerman is a friend of mine, and she wrote America's Historic Haunts. In it, she writes about the Canfield Casino and claims that there are also spirits who hang around the roulette table on the second floor and spin the wheel. They're still gambling. Can you get, like, ghost dollars? I don't know, but I'll certainly find out when we get there. You know, I'm, I'm seeing <laughs> Beetlejuice, and do you get money and then you can go to a, buy stuff somewhere? I don't know. Maybe. She also writes about a female ghost who has blonde hair. The ghost hunters caught most of their evidence on the third floor, and this included EMF spikes. Some members had their hair pulled and were touched, too. They heard things move and also heard an audible male voice and later the voices of a male and female who seemed to be having a conversation. Saratoga Springs is clearly a village with a rich history and many original buildings that not only provide a testament to that history, but offer a final resting place for spirits. Are these locations in Saratoga Springs haunted? That is for you to decide. Kelly, a little fun fact. Saratoga Springs is the name of one of the resorts down at the Walt Disney World property. 
This is true. And I've actually stayed there. Well, we'll be for you. I need to stay there. No, I'm just kidding. I shouldn't say that. The reason why is because I have a client who is a Disney Vacation Club member and she couldn't use one of her nights. So she's like, would you like it? And I was like, uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We'd love to have you guys check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com or on any of our social media sites. Want to thank Cynthia for your lovely email. We really both enjoyed that and appreciated what you had to say to us. And in a response to that, our listeners are number one to us. And I want to make sure that everybody who's in the Spooktacular crew knows that we read what they say and respond to it and care. Yes, most definitely. We got an email from Jonathan about Cripple Creek. He suggested this is a location for us to do. He said while he was there in June, he'd gone to the prison and decided to stand in a cell and see if he could catch anything while filming with his phone. And he thought that he caught a voice. When he asked if anybody was here, he thought he heard someone say, hear me. He sent me that audio. So I'll go ahead and play it here for the listeners. What do you guys think? Everybody money in this one. Rhonda wrote us about murials. We talked about this in the Jackson Square episode. It's one of the haunted restaurants there. She said, I went on a ghost tour in January of this year. I'd taken pics of the ghost table where no one was sitting. Later, when I was showing pics to a friend, we noticed a distinct figure at the table. So I will go ahead and put that picture up on Instagram and over at the Spooktacular crew. What do you guys think? Is there a figure sitting at the table? Zach wrote us on Instagram and said, hey, y'all, I went to Transylvania University in Kentucky. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, we were like, wow, what a cool sounding university. And here one of our listeners actually went there. A professor was fired in the 1840s and cursed the school. Not long after a building burned down and he was eventually buried under its replacement to, quote unquote, end the curse. Every Halloween, there's a raffle for students to spend the night in the tomb. Oh, my gosh. I'd be like, (laughs) I'm there. That's very cool. Now, of course, there's no evidence that any of that actually happened and that he would be buried under there. But what a cool legend. Sarah wrote in the crew, this is where I had my freakiest and maybe first paranormal experience. The greenhouse used to be where my brother-in-law lived with a bunch of other guys. He lived in the basement. So he was pretty much roommates with the people in this Revolutionary War graveyard. My husband and I would sleep down there when we were home on leave. One night I woke up in an absolute panic and completely terrified. I just had a feeling that I had to get out of there right now. I know some weird things can happen in that space between sleeping and waking, but this was a feeling I'd never felt before. So I woke my husband up and made him sleep upstairs in the living room with me. He made me sleep on the floor because he was so mad. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But my leave was over a week before his was, so I left. And one day he was alone down there on the computer and the exact same thing happened to him. Just sudden, absolute terror and he ran out of there immediately. We never told anyone until years later because we were soldiers and we were supposed to be brave. But the other guys who lived there each had a similar experience. All but my brother-in-law who thinks anything paranormal is absolute nonsense. Sarah, thank you so much to you and your husband for your service. And also, Sarah happens to be one of our moderators in the crew. So I thought that was very cool that she shared that story. And then Kristen shared this in the crew. As we know, uh, her grandmother was not doing well. She'd been in the hospital. She was sick. And so they actually were able to bring her home. So we were all excited to hear that. 
She wrote, I just experienced the spookiest feeling. My grandma just came home from the hospital yesterday after five days. I came by my parents' house where she lives to stay with her while my brother's at work. I'm at the kitchen table working on my laptop with my headphones on and I hear creaking like someone is walking around upstairs. I start walking towards the stairs from the kitchen and I can hear someone walking around and feel a presence in the hallway as I'm walking up the stairs, but I don't see anyone there. I checked around and everyone else in the house is fast asleep, including the dog. I just whispered out loud, asking whether my grandpa was here, and I heard the floors creak again. I'm glad he's here with us, watching over my grandma. Absolutely. That's very sweet. Yeah, and we talked to her further because she came to our virtual happy hour happy hour, and asked her a little bit more about that. And yeah, she just said, can you imagine? She had her headphones on, and so it was loud enough that she could hear yeah. the creaking. And she said it definitely wasn't like a house settling kind of sound. It sounded like somebody was taking steps. Exactly. So he really wanted to get her attention, I believe. I agree. Very cool. And don't forget, we have our Flash Fiction Contest going on. The deadline is midnight, September 6, 2020. We're limit 1,000. We've got about five or six entries so far. So we'd love to get your writing, and the prizes are fabulous. I just ordered the medals, so I'm looking forward to getting those. So that'll be a lot of fun. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Dispatches from the Grave Digger. We want to welcome into the cemetery, Boxwater John. He's going to be buried in the niche wall. Jennifer Castanon, you're going to be buried in a chest tomb. Thank you so much for supporting the show, you guys. We really appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you. You can find History Goes Bump on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora. Google Play, and anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Saratoga and Shenectady. Shenectady. Okay. The Saratoga and the makes me want to go Mac Daddy. Okay. Can you wrap it? No, I cannot. We need Tracy for that. (laughs) Where's Tracy Polly when you need her? She had been a beautiful young woman engaged to a British soldier. She had been a beautiful young woman engaged to a British... Now I can't say it. There were two steam vapor furnaces. There were two steam vapor furnaces. There were two steam vapor... Steam vapor. Why can't I say that? Steam vapor furnaces. It's because it's a (laughs) V and an F. (laughs) And I'm about to say F that. Oh my. (laughs) So I'm sitting here reading and all of a sudden I see... Kelly waving her hands and her eyes rolling back in her head. And I'm like, is she possessed? Is it demonic? Should I get out salt? Get out. Sage? Something? And then she's like, I've got a sneeze. <laughs> Except I didn't. It went away. 
and your eyes totally rolled back in your head. I was looking up at the light. <laughs> Go into the light, Kelly. Go into the light. Don't let the demons take you. Oh, my gosh. A man in Victorian clothing knocked on the office door in 27... Mm-hmm. Numbers. <laughs> 2017, 2007. What does it matter? It's got two zeros and sevens in it. Shush you. <laughs> a man in Victoria, cl- Victoria clothing now. Victoria. Actually, that's the last name of my doctor. That's why you keep thinking it's a woman. I know. Every time I think about <laughs> going to the doctor, I'm like, it's going to be a female doctor. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Nose picker. Picking my nose, I got I'm sure itch. you just thought I was looking at the computer and wouldn't notice. Hey, you just said that you had a, a hair that was going up your nose. So no, in my mouth because it was stuck on the microphone. Well, you <laughs> have one going up your nose right now. It's your own hair. Nose picker. <laughs> I brushed it away. I didn't pick it. I had an itch in my nose. Pick a winner. Picker flicker. Flicker picker. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Well, at least we don't have any dogs farting this time. It's just me picking my nose. This is true. Actually, I'm surprised you aren't doing that after your root beer float last Stop, time. stop. The people that joined us for the happy hour will be pleased to know that I survived the night. I don't think I had any farts last <laughs> night. You weren't awake for them. <laughs> Knocked my own self out. And then I passed out. 